0: Good morning. We're so glad you guys could join us, and we are excited to worship with you. So, if you'd stand with us as we as we praise the Lord this morning in song.
1: be seated. Welcome to Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. My name is Pastor Ian. I'm the youth and family pastor, and we are excited for you to gather here with us, whether you're here in person or online. We're excited for you to be worshiping with us. If you're new or visiting, um, we would love to connect with you. We have a connect card in the seat in front of you. You can place those in the boxes on the back wall, and you can put whatever you want on there, whether it's... uh, prayer requests, or um, just your contact information, or whatever you want to, you can do that. We've also gotten some from kids, which are always fun with, you know, fun emails and that kind of thing. So whatever you want to put in there, you can do that. The boxes on the wall are also where you can place tithes and offerings. Um, We have a couple of announcements this morning. As you'll notice inside of your bulletin, it is spring break this week at Three Lakes, so there is No Sunday school, no cross-training. So after the service, if you'd like to go downstairs and join us for some coffee and cookies and that kind of thing, you are welcome to do that. Um, If you look at the back of your bulletin, there are a couple of events that are coming up. We have an Easter brunch, um, which is hosted here. So that will be on Easter Sunday, April 9th, after our worship service. Um, If you didn't get an email where you can RSVP, you can call the church office. The number is in there. Um, Everyone is welcome to attend. It's always a great time. Um, We've done this for a long time and you are all invited to come. So please, if you are coming, RSVP. Also, if you are able to, um, well, if you are around on April 7th, we have a Good Friday service at 6.30 PM. That's not in your bulletin, but that will be at 6.30 PM. after Easter, we are going to be starting a new small group series. Um, Pastor Tim has been talking about it for the last couple weeks. It's on the Sabbath. It's called Practicing the Way. If you would like to sign up for a small group, they are the sign-ups are in the Narthex. Um, there are three sign-ups. There's weekday, daytime, weekday, evening, and Sunday morning. Um, and there will also be a Monday night one um, that Pastor Tim wanted me to mention in the evening groups. So Monday nights. Um, that will have child care, of it, care available. So if you'd like child care, you can do that. With that, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here and worship you, Lord. And we praise you for who you are, that you are just a great, great God. We thank you for all of the good things that you have done for us, and as we get ready for Easter and look forward to Easter, we thank you for the greatest thing that you did for us and that was send your son jesus to die on a cross for us and rose again on the third day we ask that you would help us to remember that as easter comes up Um, easter can be a time where we we lose some of that meaning with everything that's going on between family and we get a day off from work and, and whatever else we just ask that you would help us to to remember your sacrifice your blood that was shed for us on a cross and on top of that, that you rose again on that third day to, to announce your victory, that we don't have to, to fear sin or death, that you have come as, as our Savior. I ask that you would help us to worship well this morning, help us to worship um, honestly, Lord, not to, to put on a, a mask or a face or, or whatever it is, Lord, but worship you honestly, um, not try to hide who we are as we worship you. We thank you for um, just this place that we get to gather in and to worship you, and we ask that you would uh, bless us as we do that. We pray for Pastor Tim as, as he's on vacation, help him to have a restful time and his family, um, give him safe travels and uh, your obvious presence with him, Lord, just as, as we ask for your obvious presence here, Lord, in our midst. We ask your blessing on the rest of our time, and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Would you stand as we continue singing? Who? Stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you who you are that is who
1: Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all the things you have done for us. We look back through our lives and the things you've saved us from, the things that you've uh, just worked in our lives. We thank you for that. We ask that you would bless Pastor Tom as he comes to preach, Lord, and brings your word. Give him your words and clarity and your wisdom as he does this. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So this morning, we have Pastor Tom Kummel from North Life Church. It was St. Germain Evangelical Free Church, but it changed in the last month, about a month. So um, he is the pastor of disciple making there, and he will be preaching this morning.
2: Well, good morning. Um, If you've met me before, um, you'll realize that my voice sounds just a little bit different. Well, that's because I visited grandkids last weekend, and every grandparent goes, yeah, been been there, done that. So they left us with a gift that we have been celebrating this last week in their absence. The interesting thing is uh, when I preach uh, at North Life on an occasional basis, I sometimes walk back to the sound people and ask them, can you give me a, kind of a Morgan Freeman, James Earl Jones sound this morning? Um, still working on that, but, and I have to do this. Um, I am your father. Probably dated a number of us. Um, I grew up in southwest Wisconsin near Coon Valley. I'm a farm kid. Uh, Coon Valley is a town of about 500 people. Our claim to fame is, if you are a Seattle Mariners fan, uh, the service family owns the implement shop, still owns the implement shop in Coon Valley. Scotty is the son of uh, the owners there. So I grew up with the service family. Scotty Service is now the manager, general manager, for the Seattle Mariners. So Coon Valley is on the map. Uh, be praying for them. They just finished outside the playoffs last year and hopefully will make Coon Valley proud. Uh, Coon Valley is just outside Lacrosse. so I grew up in the southwest area of lacrosse, went to high school as one of the token Germans in a 99 point nine percent Norwegian community uh, the cheer for our high school was Westby, Westby, rah, 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 lutethisk and Lefsa ya, ya, ya. <laughs> Which is interesting, because I actually had the opportunity to preach up in Conover uh, about six weeks ago, and it, when I said that, somebody in the back went, yes! Turns out this gal graduated from Westby uh, just three years before I did, and we had a wonderful conversation. In high school... My life could be summarized as being every guy's ideal and every girl's dream, every guy's ideal and every girl's dream. I was a legend in my own mind. I was self-centered, thought about no one but myself, academically, uh, relationally, athletically, very successful. Uh, And then ended up going to college at a place where I became a very small fish in a very large pond, and nobody knew who I was, and frankly, nobody cared. And that sent me on a journey to discover what it was that I needed for fulfillment, and that's uh, at a time in my life when Christ revealed himself to me, and took a farm kid uh, from Wisconsin and another farm kid from Toma, my wife Kay. Uh, on a journey that uh, left us uh, with uh, staff with Campus Crusade for Christ for about 18 years. Uh, ended up in southern Indiana in Bloomington, uh, pastoral ministry for about 18 years, and now up here. God called us back home. Uh, I was born in Wisconsin, got the green and gold eye drops, you know, that they put in babies' eyes when they're born. Was immunized against Vikings, bears, and lions, like all good Wisconsinites are. Uh, So, we're back home uh, enjoying Wisconsin uh, a lot. Well, this is going to date some of you. It dated me, but the year was 1972 when Pong, a groundbreaking electronic game, was released by the American computer company Atari. Pong became wildly popular. That is the extent of the video game. Right there on the screen. That is all you saw. And it was incredibly popular. Well, about the same time, a group of programmers from Atari was tasked with the challenge of finding a mistake. They had actually developed another little program uh, that was supposed to add some graphics to a number of games Atari was looking forward to. But despite its relatively simple form, the original line of code produced a surprisingly intricate pattern. It's a little fuzzy here, but it was moving. And it was in it was, those days of computer gaming was really rather remarkable that they could start doing some movement on a computer screen. The original line of text for that pattern looked like this a single line of code. The problem was that when that code was reproduced to put on another computer, it generated no pattern at all. So students and developers were a bit puzzled. What what could go wrong? What's happening here? They tried for weeks and months to debug and set the two lines of code side by side. Uh, One under the other. So here's what the two lines of code look like. So just for 30 seconds, take a look at those two lines of code and see if you can find the problem. Because as I said, computer programmers looked at this for months and months, could not find out what was going on. Well, after weeks of frustration, Atari finally announced that they had found the problem. The problem was that without knowing it, the computer programmer tasked with reproducing the line on the other computer used the correct character, and that character is the decimal point between the two fives. Five point, you know, 205.5, go down 205.5. Correct character, he had inserted it in the wrong font. So what to the human eye looked Perfect to a computer looked like a completely different character. That was the almost impossible problem that they had to solve until a student, one student, paid the most careful attention. Well, a couple of months ago at our church, Pastor Josh, our preaching pastor, challenged us to begin developing a habit of Spending time regularly in God's word. And he based that uh, on a passage in Peter that he was going through. 2 Peter 1.19 that says, We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention. One reason for that challenge was understanding that sometimes we don't pay attention. Very good attention. We're involved in the Christian life. We think we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, but then we realize we're not paying all that careful attention. So that's the single point I want to make this morning. I want to encourage each of us this morning to consider God's Word together and pay attention. Why should we pay attention? to God's word. Well, let me give you just a few examples of what God's word says about itself. Hebrews 4:12 says God's word is living and active. We want it to be involved in our lives. 2 Timothy 3:16 says God's word is God-breathed. Who would not want to pay attention to those things that come from the very mouth of God? Psalm 119.105 says God's word is a light to our path. Sometimes it's a little bit dark. We're not quite sure what step to take. God's word will lighten that path. Isaiah 48 says God's word lasts forever. Proverbs 35 says God's word is flawless. Not only must we make it a habit of reading God's Word on a daily basis. We have to make a habit of paying attention as we read it. So our passage today is a passage that, in one sense, became, for the very first time in my 65 years of life, a verse for the year. I've never done that. I've talked to people and said, Oh, my verse for the year is this. My life verse is this. I've never done that until I read a verse in Hebrews... And for some reason, I just stopped and I said, oh my gosh, I need to think about this verse. In the Greek, the verse is only 11 words long. It comes from Hebrews 2, verse 1. Even though the Greek is only 11 words, the NIV uses 20 English words to try to summarized, and translated correctly. The NIV reads, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. The story is told of a botany professor. Botany, of course, is the study of plants. World-renowned. He was known for his careful attention to detail had chronicled and changed the taxonomy of some plants based on his observations. He had done that for an entire career and decided to retire. Well, in appreciation, the university gave him a six-month, all-expenses-paid trip around the world. Just as a thank you to say to him, You've done this your whole life. You've given our university great credit. And we want to say thank you by sending you around the world. And maybe you'll find something that you're not familiar with. Maybe you'll find a plant that you haven't seen before. Maybe you'll be able to identify some different characteristics and reclassify some. Just, just do what you want. Go ahead. Enjoy six months on us. So he did. About two months into this botany professor's trip, the dean of the university thought he would call and see how the professor was doing. So he got him on the phone, thinking he was going to be in some exotic place studying some exotic plants. And the professor answered. And the dean said, well, how, how are things going? He said, they're going wonderful. I've never been. More engaged in the study of plants. It's just wonderful to have this time to look closely and to study like I've really never studied before. He said, "Well, professor, that's that's wonderful. I can only imagine where you are. Tell me, what fascinating place are you right now at this moment?" He said, "Well, it's been two months, Dean." And right now, I am halfway across my backyard. Here is a man who spent his life studying and paying attention and realized that in his own backyard, there was even more to learn. Well, that's what I hope for this morning. Taking a few minutes to look at 11 Greek words... And pay the most careful attention to those 11 words, God's words, 20 English words, to see what we can find out about God, what God wants for us as we leave this place this morning. Now, even though the NIV translation of this verse begins with, we must pay the most careful attention, and that's totally appropriate. I prefer the original Greek, which begins with this word. I'm not even going to attempt to say the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar. But English translation is therefore. I like what the Greek writer did here. Because whenever you read the word therefore, or come across the word therefore... Somebody's making a point. They're saying that on account of what I just said, or in light of what I just said, listen. It's been said by scholars that when you come across the word therefore, you ask the question what's the therefore, therefore? Why is the therefore there? Well, the therefore is there for the purpose of making us stop. We need to stop and consider that everything the writer is going to tell us from this point forward is totally dependent on what he just said. And if we forget what he just said, what he's going to say is not going to make any sense or at least not make the sense he intends for it to make. It is absolutely dependent that we remember. So what is it that he just told us? Just before he said, therefore. What's everything he just said in what we classify as chapter 1? Keeping in mind this is a letter, so we didn't have the chapter verse divisions. But when he says, therefore, he says, just remember what I just told you in these last two or three pages of writing, we see at least six very important things, critical things to give meaning to what he's about to say. But what are some of those things? What are those six things at least that he told us? In verse 1 and 2 of Hebrews 1, the writer tells us that even though God had spoken through many prophets and in many ways in the past... He has now spoken to us through his Son. Jesus is God's word. In verse 3, the writer tells us that Jesus is the exact representation and the sustainer of all created things. The provider of purification for our sins and that he now sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus completed God's plan of salvation. In verses 4 to 6, the writer records the father as saying, You, Jesus, are my son. Today I have begotten you. Actually, the NIV says, Today I become your father. Which other translations use the word begotten. Begotten is not a word we use a lot today. Beget. Unless you're a King James reader. You know, with all the begets, this person beget that and beget that and beget that. And they would have translated this, today I have begotten you. Begottenness is a term that, again, in our modern language, is, doesn't mean a lot unless we study it. But we all say it in all the creeds, if we've ever said one of the creeds, when it says Jesus is true God from true God, begotten, not made. Well, what's the difference between being begotten and made? It's central to the identity of who Jesus is. C.S. Lewis explains it, I think, best when he says, to beget is to become the father of. To create is to make. When you beget, you beget something of the same kind as yourself. A man and woman beget babies. A beaver begets little beavers. When you create, you make something of a different kind than yourself. A beaver builds a dam. A person carves a statue. That is the first thing to get clear, C.S. Lewis says. What God begets is God. What God makes or creates is not God. Jesus is the only begotten Son. Jesus is God. In verses seven to nine, we have the Father telling the Son Jesus, "Your throne, O God, will last forever." Jesus is God. In verses 10 and 12 we see that Jesus laid the foundations of the earth and that the, his years will never end. Jesus is the eternal creator. And then finally in verses 13 through 14, the entirety of chapter 1, the writer makes it clear that no one else, only Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus is exclusive. Six things that he had just told us in chapter 1 about the identity of Christ. And he said, this is foundational to everything else I'm going to tell you in the rest of this letter. What the writer of the book is trying to help his Jewish listeners understand is that Jesus and Jesus alone is the long-awaited Messiah, the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament. Jesus is God's word. He completed the Father's plan of salvation. He is the only begotten Son. He is God. He is the eternal creator and sustainer, and he is exclusive. What this verse is saying is something very similar to what the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Ephesians, where he wrote, we are members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. If you don't have a clear understanding of who Jesus is, the rest of Hebrews, and in fact the Christian faith, is going to be a puzzle. It's going to be inexplicable. It's going to be confusing. It's not going to make any sense at all. Based on that foundation, however, we can move forward with what the writer tells us in Hebrews 2. He begins, actually, the um, next part of this. He uses the word we in the Greek, therefore, we. Those, that little two-letter word, we, is packed with meaning. While I was studying this passage... It was really simple, and it's probably really simple for you to read God's word, and to be reminded, since it's God's word to the church, it's God's word to me. What I had a little, not trouble, but what, what dawned on me is that the writer of Hebrews is including himself in this teaching. We must pay the most careful attention Really? He's speaking to himself? I I would have supposed that the writer of one of God's God-breathed books would certainly have had things sorted out by now. Every T crossed, every dot placed where it should. But he uses the word we. I'm including myself with you, he is saying. Does he really believe that even he must remember that because of the truths in chapter 1, that he too must listen to what he is about to say? He believed the answer was absolutely. And that's the thing that startled me just a little bit when I read that verse that we must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard lest we drift away. I've been in full-time vocational ministry for 40 years. And sadly, there's a tendency to think that maybe after 40 years, we have a few things figured out. And maybe we do. But that doesn't preclude the fact that no matter where we are in our faith, we must continue to pay attention lest we drift away. There is a potential for anybody and everybody to drift away. I don't want to drift away. But sometimes we quit focusing. We quit paying attention. And we find out, maybe I'm not where I need to be. That's what stunned me personally. And that's why it became my verse for 2023. I don't want to be one of those people who drifts away. And therefore, I need to pay attention. The next thing the writer says is that we must. We must. The Greek word here also means it is required, it is necessary. In other words, because of who Jesus is, it necessarily follows that I absolutely, positively must do something. And whatever that something is, the writer says, we must pay beyond measure, pay the most further than the upper limits of be obsessed with something. Now again, whatever it is that the writer is telling us, as a result of understanding who Jesus is, he's telling us that we must do this with energy beyond measure. But again, be obsessed with what? Hebrews 2.1 continues, we must pay the most careful attention. This is a Greek word that was used by mariners, seagoing people, who needed to set a course for a particular position using the stars or the sun, and then maintain that course diligently in spite of everything, that the currents, the wind, everything that was trying to take them off course. They had to stay focused One of the men who discipled me, when I was in college, actually, left Campus Crusade for Christ, joined the United States Air Force Academy, and became a navigator for the B-1 bomber. He frequently took uh, part in training flights involving flying over the ocean and then navigating back home without physical landmarks to help him. So once he had set a course to go back home, do you suppose he was just more than a little obsessed with getting to that point that he had set on the map? Do you suppose he was just a little bit obsessed with focusing on the instruments to make sure that everything was in order? You see, if he hadn't been obsessed... In the best-case scenario, he would have just gotten lost and had to recalculate. In the worst-case scenario, he would have died. So to this point, we see that because Jesus is God, it is absolutely necessary that we, all of us, must absolutely pay, be obsessed with, the most beyond Any limit, careful attention. Laser focus. On what? To what we have heard, the writer tells us. And what is it that we have heard? Not only the things that he had just told us in chapter 1 about who Jesus is, they are also the things he is going to tell us in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 2. So this is where he says, For since the message spoken through angels was binding, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. He is speaking about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he purchased for us. This is who Jesus is, therefore pay the most careful attention to what Jesus has done. But this word goes far beyond the idea of sound waves when it says we must pay the most careful attention It goes beyond the idea of sound waves simply bouncing off my eardrum into my inner ear, hitting the audio nerve, and then being perceived as sound in my brain. This Hebrew-Greek word, this Greek word, also includes the idea not just of hearing the sound, but of understanding. Now, It's a little hard for me as a husband, but my wife understands this completely and totally. Because I often hear her words. Oh, yeah, those sounds bounced off my eardrum and went into my brain. Did I understand? Ah. Every wife nods her head. There's a difference between just sound waves bouncing off your eardrum And understanding. And that's what the writer is saying. Pay attention. Don't just hear the words. Understand the words. Jesus addressed this issue when he spoke to the disciples. And he said in the Gospel of Matthew, Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. We have three clocks in our dining room. Every half hour, they go off. One of them is a cuckoo clock. One of them is a cuckoo clock that also chimes. One of them is a kitchen clock that only chimes. And I'm obsessed with making sure they all go off at the exact same time. But what amazes me is that I can be sitting in our dining room, and I'll glance at the clock, and I'll see it's like two or three minutes after maybe 11 o'clock. And I'm thinking, I don't recall hearing any of the clocks. It's 11 o'clock. How could I possibly have missed three clocks, cuckooing and chiming? But I'm sitting there two minutes. It's like, are they broke? No, they're not broke. I just didn't. I didn't pay attention. Obviously, the sound had passed. Through my ear, bounced off my eardrum into my inner ear, hit the nerves that send it to my brain, and made a sound. But my brain didn't comprehend it. The writer of Hebrews is encouraging his listeners to not just hear, but to understand. So let's review. Therefore because Jesus is God's word, because he has completed God's plan of salvation, because he is the only begotten son of God, because he is God, because he is the eternal creator, because he is exclusive, we, all of us, must absolutely, positively, necessarily pay the most, beyond the outermost limits, be obsessed with, Careful attention to the things we have heard, who Jesus is, and what he did in preaching the gospel of salvation. But what if, because the writer's not done yet, pay attention to the things you have heard. But what if I don't? What if I don't pay the most careful attention to what I've heard? The two Greek words warn us, what if. In English, the words are translated in the NIV as so that. And have a sense of ruling out all other possibilities. It communicates the absolute certainty that the thing to follow is not just possible, It is absolutely inevitable. So that means that if the first thing, paying the most careful attention to what we've heard, does not happen, that which to follow will happen, without exception. That's what scared me when I read that passage and thought about it seriously. If I don't pay attention, what is the certainty? The certainty, the inevitable condition to follow is that we will drift away. We will drift away. We certainly, absolutely, positively will drift away. When I think of something drifting away, the movie *Castaway* Away comes to mind. Tom Hanks, if you've not seen it, it's an awesome movie. He plays this character named Chuck Nolan, who crashes in the middle of an ocean. It's like a FedEx plane, or any, one of those package-carrying planes. Ends up stranded on a uncharted island. Eventually, after thoughts of suicide and a number of years, decides, I'm either going to kill myself or I have to try, and I'm going to build a raft and I'm going to go out to the ocean, see if somebody can find me. He ends up drifting in the middle of the ocean. And while that image does work in one sense, a clearer sense of what the Greek word communicates, is depicted by the scene in which Wilson, Chuck Nolan's volleyball-turned-friend, falls off the raft and drifts into the ocean, leaving Chuck utterly alone. This is a better image because the Greek word for drift away is intended, or has the added sense of it, that at one time, the two things that drifted were side by side, in close proximity. But that eventually, because of outside forces, one of them began to drift away from The other. The process of getting lost is an interesting process. Has anybody in here ever been, excuse me, lost? Husbands or wives look at their husbands and say, Well, of course, honey, you've been lost. I mean, really lost. What's interesting about being lost? is that it never happens all... We we talk about, all of a sudden I was lost. No. You weren't all of a sudden lost. You started getting lost way back there. When you took that first turn and ignored my plea to check the map. And then you took another turn. And then another And now, eventually, you are lost. It never happens all of a sudden. And again, that's what scared me about this passage. Am I where I need to be? Because whenever I've gotten lost, I didn't realize I was lost until I was lost. It happened way back there. The process of getting lost involves being right next to where I should have been, and then slowly, and here's the scary part, imperceptibly. If I knew I was on the path of getting lost, what would I do? I would turn around and go back. But it's imperceptible. I don't know I'm getting lost until I'm lost. That great theologian Mae West, Hollywood's most recognizable sex symbol of the early 1900s, was quoted as saying, I used to be Snow White, but I drifted. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away the writer of Hebrews, is pleading with us, begging us, warning us not to be Wilson, not to be Mae West, not to be that person who has perhaps heard the message of the gospel and may, in some sense, be living the message of the gospel, but now finds themselves not Paying the most careful attention and now drifting away. Do what I did beginning of this year. Ask yourself where are you truly in your relationship with Christ? Have you heard? Do you understand? If not, Pick up a Bible this week. If you don't have one, I'm sure they can find one for you. If you don't know Christ, because it has to start there, find someone who can help you get to know Him. But what about those who have heard, have understood? Well, it says we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will want to pay attention. That's what 2 Peter tells us. But my encouragement to you is to accept that challenge if you haven't already done so. That challenge of going back to God's word on a regular and a consistent basis and paying attention. Try this. For a couple months. It's what I went back to that I had tried a number of years ago. I am writing my way through the Bible. So as I read it, I'm writing it down. It's super slow. Really slow. But you know what I'm doing as I'm writing? I'm paying attention. And I'm seeing things that I hadn't thought about before. My encouragement to all of us is to accept the challenge. If you're not in God's word on a regular basis, begin that habit. If you are in God's word on a regular basis, do something that switches things up a little bit so that you are paying attention. Pay the most careful attention so that you do not drift away. In 1908... The English explorer, Admiral William Perry, took his crew to the Arctic Ocean because they wanted to go further north than they had been to continue their chartings. They calculated their location on the ice that they were walking on, took regular readings over that course of that night, made sure they knew where they were, and started walking north. Hour after hour after hour, they finally stopped, totally exhausted, cold, hungry, took another set of readings, and to their dismay, discovered that they were now further south than they had been when they began their journey heading north. What in the world happened? But what they discovered is that they had been walking on a large ice flow that had actually been drifting south faster than they were walking north. They had no idea that they were drifting. No matter where you are in your relationship with Christ, the writer of Hebrews challenges us, pay the most careful attention to what you have heard, so that you do not drift away. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, your word is full of such hope, such grace, such mercy. But your word is full of reminders that we have a part to play in our own salvation as we walk with you and work out that salvation with fear and trembling because the reality of it is that if we do not pay the most careful attention to what we've heard, we could well drift away. Father, let each of us have a conscious sense of your presence here this morning because as we sang when this service began. You are here. We worship you. We glorify you. We give you thanks and praise and ask you to remind us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to pay the most careful attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
1: Thank you, Pastor Tom. As you go, go paying attention to the God who is our creator, our savior. You are dismissed.